How does getting to episode 100 make you feel? What does it mean to you? Um, man, uh, getting the episode 100. Yeah. So let's, let's be clear. Uh, this is episode 100 for 75% of us. Uh, for me, it's just another day in the office to be honest with you. So I'll, I'll be curious if these guys, uh, celebrate episode 109 for those of you who don't know, I joined on episode nine. So really not a whole lot for me to celebrate. I'm just kidding. Obviously. Uh, I'm, it's pretty surprising because we started this podcast on a whim and during quarantine COVID because it just didn't feel like my content was up to par and it felt like a good idea combined with like, you know, practicing the game as usual and getting out there a little bit more. It means a lot. I think, um, you know, like, like you, Chris, with production, the rest of the guys that do the show, like really helped B helps a lot. Like, it feels like um, I'm the name of the show, but it really feels like everyone else does the dirty work. And I couldn't be more appreciative of that. Um, so it, it means a lot. It, it, it really got us out there. It got us a lot of opportunities. And it really helped me as a competitor, too. Like, not only do I go to tournaments to compete, I also might do a tweet talks thing at the event. It, it really helps balance the lifestyle and, like, helps with structure and, like, you know, just makes me feel like, you know, a normal human rather than just like a competitor. I don't know. I was talking to my wife about this earlier. I was like, it's kind of insane to think about a uh, hundred episodes is, and we weren't doing this consistently at first, but it's so roughly two years, you know, and it just started as something that was supposed to be for fun. And it is still for fun, you know, like I have a great time doing this every week, but it's grown into something so much more. And it's, super cool that i get to do it with some of like you know the best my best friends from the community and i don't know it's it's definitely something i didn't expect to turn into this but i'm i'm really glad that it did it makes me feel like we're being very consistent which i'm happy about because i didn't know that this was gonna get this far i don't know uh tweak talks started off on a whim where Gavin pretty much just asked uh, me and Pink, like, oh, hey, uh, like you want, you, would you be down to do a podcast? And at the moment, podcasts were kind of on the rise for content. And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I mean, it just sounds like we're hanging out. So, but I didn't think it would be this successful or we would be this consistent with it. It just kind of felt like on a whim, like, sure, let's do some content. But the fact that the community loves to hear us hang out. And they like it so much that we've stayed so consistent with it. And we've gotten so much support from everyone that we've gotten to triple digits makes me extremely happy. So getting episode 100, uh, it means a lot for several different reasons. And I think one is there have been a million uh, people who have attempted to have Smash Bros uh, content, uh, specifically audio content podcasts uh, based on competitive Smash Bros that... I love listening to and they stop and start and they're inconsistent and they don't come out, you know, usually it's once a week to start and then it's once a month and it's like, you're lucky if you get two or three a year or something like that. Right. And I get eight, like life happens and things interfere, but I'm very proud of this group of four hosts, uh, one producer and two editors um, for being very consistent every single week um, and making it happen, whether we need to change the day we record or if everyone can be there or not. Um, somehow, some way we get it done. And that's really impressive for truly actually like a uh, hundred weeks 
uh, in a row of getting episodes done. Well, a little shaky at the beginning, but once we got the full team on board and set up a schedule and started taking shit seriously, um, we really hit a stride. So really happy for the whole team here. Getting 100 episodes in of anything is incredible. So nice job. Because I know they'll be listening too. So nice job, guys. And thank you to all the listeners, obviously, too. They're and we could do 100 episodes if no one listened, but who cares? You know, like, what would be the point? Actually, we'd probably have a good time, but you got to shout out the listeners as always. So, yeah, it means a lot, to be honest with you. Well, it's funny you kind of got ahead of me there because I was just about to ask. So then what's changed for you since episode one? And you kind of answered that. But, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what else have you learned since then? Yeah, I, I I would always tell myself, like, oh, I can't. I'm just a player. I, I don't commentate. I don't. I can't do coaching. I can't do this podcast or whatever. So it helped me learn that I'm more capable than what I thought. I feel like it helped me grow up a lot and helped me get out of my shell. And, you know, y'all are some of my closest friends because of this kind of thing. And um, it just helped me realize that, you know, there's more out there rather than just competing, even if it is within Smash. Like, um, it just helped me learn that I'm, I'm capable of a lot more. Episode one was really funny because it was just like on a whim. We're just in a Discord call, like on Twitch, and we like have no idea what we're doing. It's just like we're just talking, right? And I feel like we've gotten so much more structured. We've grown a lot. I think we've gotten way better at the podcast, like letting each other talk for the most part. Um, the way we speak, a lot of us speak way better now. Uh, we enunciate our words a lot more. We're just more careful about like how we speak and what we say. And the, the flow is so much better. I think so many things have definitely changed. And then for me personally, I just I just know what I'm going to be doing on Tuesday at 4 to like 6 o'clock. You know, <laughs> like it's like part of my day where before I was like, we would do it every other week or whenever we kind of felt like it. But there's a lot more structure. And I just learned that uh, I really want to like thank Gavin for even like asking me to be on the show and just like giving me this opportunity because... I learned way more about myself when it comes to the way that I speak because I'm naturally a more quiet person. Um, And it's just given me a lot more confidence to like do other things in my life, like with my YouTube channel and stuff, just feeling like good to be like, you know what, maybe my opinion is a little more valid than I think it is and build up my self-esteem a little bit. So, A lot of things have changed since episode one. When you think back to episode one, I was on Beast Coast. <laughs> so that was quite a while ago. So uh, what have I learned? I guess what else has changed? I mean, the community has changed. The game has changed. Uh, I mean, I've changed. I think one of the things I've learned about myself is that, man, I, I really like talking about Smash and I really love Smash. And I always look forward to tweak talks. So I've like, I already knew I had a lot of passion for the game, but it kind of opened my eyes to like how much I love doing content and not only content, but it's just like very simple podcast content that is just talking about the game. So it, it, I don't know. It, it opens my eyes in a sense of like, Oh wow. Like I love this game so much that I can just talk about it for hours on a weekly basis. And like it, it brings me so much joy just for that. And it's, I've also learned that it feels like that for everyone else too. So it, it, I don't know. It just feels like we're all unified in that feeling. So what has changed since episode one is I joined the show, which is great uh, in episode nine. Uh, I'm done making that joke, but so a lot has changed in life. Uh, 
obviously we went through a whole pandemic and my connection to the smash scene was to be honest, like wavering at that point. Uh, online tournaments were not really a thing I love to do. I, I was casting a few and I was playing in a couple, but you know, I, I really like, I'm an extroverted person. Uh, I really like connecting with people and it's probably my favorite thing about the smash scene aside from, you know, the game and, and all that stuff, the storylines, all that, but connecting with people, I was really missing that part of it. So, um, being able to come back after the pandemic or being able to stay connected to the scene in that way was so important because life kept going on. Uh, I was promoted at work. Uh, I really like my job. That's great. I got married. I got a dog, uh, bought a house, uh, done a lot of real life shit. And I'm happy that the podcast and, and the scene has been able to be with me for that whole journey, even though, um, the role or, or the size that smash has played in my life has shrunk in some ways. It's also increased because I'm able to be on this podcast with my good friends and connect with so many people in so many different ways. So yeah, it's been, it's been a ride. So with that in mind, who's been your favorite guest so far on the show? The first one that comes to mind is Aaron. Ever since we saw this question, I, the first one that comes to mind is Aaron. I think, he was hilarious. He took a lot of control of the show. Like he had random things to say. Like, and he's also just a good friend. He plays Diddy. Like, so I feel like it's very at home and comfortable. And he's just hilarious. I'm gonna go with Aaron. Oh, that's easy. It's it's well. Okay, I have two answers actually. Let's see, because Has was not always on the show. He was the he was a, a guest, right? So I guess if we're not including Has, because uh, that would be my first answer. Uh, but now he's like on the show. So I think my other answer will be Aaron because that episode was fantastic. It was so funny. Oh, man. It's between Void and Leo, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Void's my favorite guest because, uh, I mean, I'm I'm super close to Void, so uh, having him on the show was super dope. I think we've had him on multiple times as well, and it, God, it was so hard between Leo and Void, but yeah, it, it has to be Void, and I mean, obviously, I have a ton of history with Void. I grew up with Void in Hawaii, and then we both moved out to California together to pursue Smash and stuff like that, so obviously, I have a very deep bond with him, and on top of that, I think me and Void look at Smash in a very similar way, which was why it was like really easy for me to coach him so talking about smash with void is something that i mean i think of any human being on planet earth i've talked it would be between him and tweak that i've talked uh, like the most hours of talking about smash with someone so yeah definitely void yeah guests have been so fun because we're always trying to figure out who's next and who's coming on i'm dying to know who everyone else said and i think i'm gonna be the only one with this answer and my answer is mars um the reason behind that was, it's funny because we just went out for my birthday last weekend and we were talking about it and it was just me, him and Gavin. And to, to me, I, I love obviously having everyone on the show and that's awesome. But it just meant uh, personally a lot to me because Mars and I um, both started years ago in Smash 4, really kind of came up together, me in the world of casting and him becoming a top player and being on that whole journey. And then having that combine and meet in the middle on this podcast that I'm doing, you know, probably eight years after we had initially met with Gavin, who's, you know, a relatively new friend in the scene um, compared to Mars as someone who I've known for like eight, nine years at this point. Uh, it was just a really special episode to me because it was really connecting um, with two people who I've known for the scene for such a long time. So it was really good. That's too funny. I, I, w I won't give you any context, but with that, then um, 
I was going to ask you what your favorite episode is. I don't know if that is Aaron or. Yeah, it's definitely the Aaron episode. Favorite episode. I think my favorite episodes were the earlier ones because we didn't have tournaments to talk about. And we talked about some of my favorite things, which are the more ambiguous, like psychological parts of Smash or like weird topics that are difficult to put into words. I think those those were my favorite, like, you know improving and learning and what characters are better than others and just weird stuff like that if you if uh i don't know if this is going to be shown to like the world but if it is like definitely go back and check the episode of aaron on it. it is absolutely hysterical and we, i feel like we don't even talk about smash like we're just we're just talk about random life stuff it's it's really great though my favorite episode is oh this is this all works out this is perfect my favorite episode is the MK Leo episode. And the reason why that is my favorite episode is because it felt like we went over a very historical player of the game, uh, the most iconic player in Smash Ultimate Splash Smash 4, in my opinion. So it was really cool to go over the history of this iconic player, right? And on top of that, we went over the most iconic rivalry slash my favorite rivalry within smash four and ultimate as well. So it was kind of like, it was, it was like two birds, one stone kind of deal, you know, episode one Oh nine. Come on. You already know what the best episode was. You got to get me in there. Uh, so I was like, done making those jokes that I'm not, uh, I think to be honest with you though, I mean, that was personally, you know, not, not including that guest episode. I think our episode with Leo, um, was a turning point in, in a couple of different ways. Um, it's one of our most viewed episodes for those who keep up with, you know, for whatever reason, which one are some of our most popular episodes are really felt like at that point, it was an incredible episode with a guest we had really wanted to get for a long time. I think to me, that's probably my favorite episode, not just for the content in the episode, but for the overall picture of this is a real thing. We were able to get, you know, that helped us get sponsors and, and work with some people that we work with now. And, just kind of bring more resources into the podcast. And I think it was an important one to reach however many episodes that was in a row and be able to reach this point where Leo was on and, and get him on for something that our viewers asked for, for a long time. I think it really was to me the first time where everything clicked and everything felt really good in an, and the episode itself was stellar, very entertaining and very fun. So that to me stands out a lot. All right, well, suddenly I'm, I'm realizing why everyone wanted to do these one-on-one. -on -one. So the last question, who's your favorite co-host? That is so difficult. Okay, this is going to be a super corny answer. This is so tough. I'm going to have to go with Haz because Haz was a guest on the show originally, and it went so well to me at least that I – felt like he had to be on the show permanently it really feels like it's his show sometimes he does so well he takes control he he navigates everything really well i, I just have to go with has he's just a professional um i think we each bring something very very unique to the table um you know charles is very he goes on his rants like it's very analytical uh he's very good at breaking down some concepts that people might not understand it, it, it may take a little bit like you know but it is what it is uh you know gavin is gavin he's he's the reason the show exists 
um, very like introspective. It's really, really strange listening to him speak sometimes. It's like, bro, what are you saying? But like once you know him enough and you listen to him enough, you can kind of start to understand. You're like, wow, I didn't really think about it this way. Like he always brings like a very unique perspective. Has the hype man. Bro is omega funny. Uh, and then I'm just like, you know, the normal, the normal guy, the idea guy. I'm just like chilling, Mr. Relatable, as they call me. Um, but who is my favorite? <sighs> I can't give it to Has because his head will blow up. So we're just going to throw him out immediately. And it's between Chuck and Gavin. I'll give it to, I'll give it to Chuck. I'll give it to Chuck. And Chuck's a staple. Do you know I'll give name? it I'll give it to Gavin. I'll give it to I'll give it to Chuck. I'll, I'll give it to Chuck. I'll give it to Dude's Chuck. Dude's also a staple. His name's in the title <laughs> of the show. True. True. <laughs> so my favorite co-host would have to be Tweak. And it's it's very similar to Void uh, or me and Tweak and Void to me have very similar like i have very similar relationships with both of them i coached both of them they both got into playing smash because of gsm combo videos back in brawl and i love talking to smash like with them we view the games in very similar ways and especially with tweak i feel like i've grown so much as a person because of tweak and i've also watched him grow so much as a person and it's really dope to see, I don't know, like over the course of so many years watching one of your closest friends grow in a lot of aspects because, and then even watching myself like self-reflect and grow because he's growing as well was really sick. Uh, we have pretty similar personality traits too. Like uh, if you've never seen me compete uh, back in like Brawl and Smash 4, like I was like, I was a rager, I would get tilted, like very similar personality traits and it just feels like we both grew at handling those personal or some of our flaws together some of our similar flaws together so yeah it'll definitely have to be tweak i i and has is hilarious it feels like like with has it also feels like i've grown as uh we both grew as commentators but the connection is not as much as tweak and the same goes for pink right because I, I have relations with Pink in terms of just uh, like making content, being a player and stuff like that and growing within the scene. And he's like such an old school player as well. So I've always, always like watched him and stuff too. So those are my relationships with uh, Has and Pink, but it's not as strong as Tweak. I don't know if everyone else just said who it was right away, but I'm going to say something nice about all of them because they're all really close friends. And I think the show benefits greatly from from all four of us, to be honest with you um charles i love when he goes on a rant i think that is so valuable truly and and i love because i'm a chatter myself i love talking a lot uh but i love just being able to sit back and really listen to charles get passionate about something get fired up about something salty charles is like one of the most entertaining things about our podcast and and i think you know charles is just such a great guy um it's been so good getting to know him over the last couple of years so i really value him and his friendship and marcus like in terms of talking about smash but also talking about real world stuff you know we're both older guys in the scene and we've kind of been around for longer and we're both going through a lot of real life stuff right now um in terms of trying to figure out uh, how to be an adult in a couple different ways uh so marcus and i i value his 
opinions and outlooks on life so much. Um, he's someone I could really have a lot of deep conversations with about, I love talking about smash with him so much. Cause he's, he's so smart and I love the way he looks at the game, but I also love talking about real life stuff with him. And one of my favorite memories of all time in smash is me and him walking around, uh, after top eight at Genesis and heading to the guild house and him and I just had a long, like hour and a half, two hour conversation about life. And it was really, really nice and how it connected to smash and how it didn't. And that was really good. And I just, I think so highly of Marcus in so many different ways. And Gavin, that's my guy, of course, uh, becoming, you know, one of my best friends in the scene. He was at my wedding. I mean, he's just a really important person to me at this point. So it's really hard for me. To, he brings such a valuable perspective to the podcast, right? And it's been so nice to watch him uh, grow and challenge himself over the years, whether it's, you know, obviously staying consistent with the show is hard for all of us. But um, when you're packing in travel and trying to be the best player in the world, there's there's a different... And then you have to talk about your tournaments and him showing up and forcing himself to talk about tournaments when that's the last thing he wants to think about has been some incredible growth um, for him. So I've been really proud of him and watching him grow. Uh, if I had to give it to one of them, it would have to be Gavin since he tied and pulled everything together, of course. And he really brings something to the podcast that I think all three of us couldn't do without him. So I think, I you know, I love all of us and, and I think it really works. And I think obviously shout out to, to our producer, Chris, who's the voice that you're hearing now, who really helped us bring it to the next level in production. And then our editors doing the same thing. Uh, Alex and Crunch, love those guys, gotten to know them over the last couple of years too. And uh, their editing is super professional and great. They get everything done on time and we've really come up with a system that works. And I think that's the bottom line. So um, yeah, I think love the show so much. It's it's one of the main reasons I stay connected to Smash and I've always wanted to do, I think I've said this a few times on the podcast, but my two like main nerdy things that I like are Smash and podcasting. And the fact that I'm able to be on, you know, one of the biggest ones in Smash history is incredible and, and it means so much to me for so many reasons. So I'll never be able to thank these guys enough for making that happen. So let's keep it going. We got a hundred more at least coming up. So yeah, here's to another hundred episodes, man. Congrats on the first hundred. Cheers, cheers. What's up, everyone? It's Gavin or Tweak. What up? What up? It's Marcus or Pink. Hey, hey, what's up, guys? It's Charles or Chuck. And what's going on, everyone? You got Haz or Matt. Episode, don't even have to ask, episode 100 coming in hot. We have too much shit to talk about, but let's pat ourselves on the back very quickly and just say consistency is king when it comes to all aspects of life and hitting 100 episodes is a hell of a milestone. Uh, we're actually, after this episode, going to record a retrospective where we talk about just tweet talks on the show. But the thing about it is Kagaribi was also this weekend, so we have way too much shit to talk about this week. Uh, to pat ourselves off the back for too long uh, right off the bat. So we have one of the best ultimate tournaments, one of the best Smash Brothers tournaments that has ever happened, period, I think, in terms of just raw entertainment results, uh, the pool of talent that was at the tournament. And I think we just got to dive in and start talking about it right away. And I, I think the easiest way to do that is Charles was there. We're all jealous of Charles. Charles was actually there. He got to live the yeah. real experience and be at Kagaribi enjoy the crowd enjoy the live action all the good stuff charles what do you got to say you're the man on the spot right now before i say anything if you guys like the content and you guys want to support us make sure to like comment and subscribe on any of the platforms that you guys are watching and on top of that we are going to do a bonus segment talking about the race to number one who we all think is the number one player right now i think it's a very hot and interesting topic so make sure to check that out on our patreon uh it's going to be the bonus segment for 
this week's episode. And if you guys are sub to our Patreon, you can check out all the benefits, but essentially you get bonus content, weekly bonus content. So let's get into Kaga Ribi 10. Yeah, this tournament is was just crazy. I've been to Japan once uh, before this, and it wasn't for a major tournament. So their major tournaments are like Kaga Ribi, um, Umebora. In my opinion, those are like their two big hitters. Uh, and but last time me and Void came down here, we just went to a bunch of their locals, and that still was an amazing experience. They love the game. Uh, a lot of their top players come out to so many of their locals, and for these big events, everyone came out, and it, it's wild to me because I, I and we we all know that Japan is one of the funnest regions to watch because it's like they're. Japan's number one Kirby gets to winner finals of their pools and stuff. You know what I mean? Like that happens often, like all these like low tier heroes. And then the, the general skill floor of the entire region is wild. Like you have Japanese top players popping off after they three O their pool, like to get out of pools into bracket. And in my opinion, and I, I don't think this is like a hot take. I think most people would probably agree with this to get out of pools in any like tournament or any region the hardest one is japan by far <laughs> like i think there's a very big yep. gap when it comes to that skill floor and then on top of that uh the japan skill ceiling is the highest it's ever been in any like smash iteration right because usually us us is dominant or north america is dominant and stuff like that right but it's much different now and it's i, I wouldn't say they are outright like when it their ceiling isn't the highest like outright i don't think there's like a large gap or anything but i think it's very very competitive so it was exciting uh i want to shout out the trailer that has that is yeah. the best piece of smash media ever created and we got that grand finals that is insane like, it was yeah the advertising was perfect it was it's again it's like the, the old smash meme is that it was scripted right but come on we knew that this is this had to be it right like this had to happen at some point the, the trailer is better after the tournament has concluded which True. is really cool like it it was obviously really good but now it's even better because it just just because of how it went down yeah and so do you guys know who made this trailer you the same person no I, I cannot edit like this. Chill, chill out. I was like, you trying to sell some flowers? Yeah, he was saying it like he had a surprise. I know, I yeah. Like, I was like, look, I, I work some Ashley. magic. I work some magic on Hazmat making Mars look foolish, but I don't know if I could do this. Maybe, maybe. Give me like two hours. We'll see. Dude, the music was insane. This part was so yeah. sick. Like, it, it was the person that made the uh, Civil War trailer. So back in... Really? Uh, wow. Yes, wow. so for... For 2GG Civil War, they had a contest where a lot, um, a bunch of different video editors, they submitted their trailer for Civil War, and the person that won that contest and the one that like made the the game winning or the contest winning trailer was the same person, and he's from Japan. So for for those oh. who are new or around Smash Four uh, Civil War was maybe the biggest tournament of Smash Four yes. history, and I think uh, wow, whoever does these trailers knows how to pick good tournaments is is what I gotta say because <laughs> these are the most, and you can see it like reflected in the work. They're so dramatic, they're so cinematic. To be honest with you, like it, it, if that didn't if that trailer didn't make you feel something, fucking hang up the controller is what I gotta say because it is it was amazing. It maybe I was so excited to watch all weekend. So. And I really, dude, I felt for everyone because I'm always like, 
how many what percentage of big tournaments are hosted over here or on the west coast like 80 percent, something like that every time i'm like damn i feel kind of bad for eu and for japan like trying to watch these tournaments it's so late or so early whatever but then this weekend i was like i'm really feeling that like that was tough like there was a never a good point to yeah dude it was tough i'd be committed I'm wait so how, how late did you guys stay up uh i think the tournament ended around like 7 a.m or something like that yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. Oh I knocked God. out for a bit, but then I yeah. woke up and continued watching, like at like five thirty six. Like I woke up and I was like sick. It's I made it to top going. three. Has kept saying. Has kept <laughs> saying. No, no. <laughs> we're in Discord. It was so funny. Dude, okay. <laughs> we just didn't hear has for like twenty minutes, so we just like, <laughs> is has sleep? No, I'm not sleep. What? <laughs> yeah, dude, it woke me up every time. Like it really every did. Time. But I've gotten so good at falling asleep in Discord. I know how to mute myself and like hide, like be stealthy. Well, I was the one sharing my screen. Is is how I'd get caught. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I fell asleep a couple times. In full disclosure, I went out for my birthday that day. So I had been drinking for like several hours at that point. So I came back. I'm like, I'm so pumped. I can't wait to watch this tournament. And then, yeah, exactly. Sleep sleep came and then at a certain point i was like i'm going to bed and i fell asleep and then i woke back up later and i just watched my living room like on my own i was like it's so unreal man it was great it was hilarious too so luckily i'm used to the japan watching experience so i was like yeah yeah this isn't the and the only problem was this was on sunday and i had church like two hours later i was like bro but usually awesome. like if a tournament is like on like a friday or like in the middle of the week like uh delta and or delta was slight work but bro i couldn't go to sleep because i knew i just felt it in my soul i said all right our colas and grands like spargo's a little bit of ways away but he's making it he's making it like it, okay it just it just you could just feel yeah. once he beat this is crazy for me i think once he beat um ashimo i was very convinced he was winning the tournament dude which is okay is it is it just me or I oh, I would say 90% of people I talk to when they're like, who do you think is going to win the tournament? And I said, Spargo, no one agreed with me. Really? Dude, yeah. Like Not most people were like, uh, I don't know if Spargo is going to. And I was like, man, it, to me, it was weird because I was like, I feel like I have the least hot take opinion right now. And I'm asking everyone and they're just like, oh, really? You think Spargo is going to win the tournament? And I'm like, uh, yeah, <laughs> even when do I have the hot take? And and that's when I I like started to like ask myself some questions about like my opinion of Spargo because like obviously where most people would say that Akko is the best player in the world results rise right, but I was just sitting there I was like okay he lost early, it's fine like I'm I'm pretty sure he's still gonna win the tournament like I was so confident he was gonna win with with who most people consider the best player in the world there I was like no he's gonna win. Yeah, and I, yeah. I think the stage was so set for him, too, over, like, the last two weeks where it's like, man, NA is getting mopped up every tournament. Like, it doesn't matter. I don't care how consistent <laughs> you are in the States. Like, it doesn't matter. And then Spargo loses 3-0 to Samus. I don't yep. even know. I, like, what the hell just happened? Like, there's he's just going to be another victim, right? Just another victim of uh, the crazy Japanese talent pool. But, hey, dude, come on. You can't bet against the kid Spargo like that, even when he's down, dude. He just kind of... It, it reminded me, and I, I hate making this comparison because they are different people, but the confidence I had in him is the confidence that I usually have in Leo, where I'm like, okay, he lost early. like, And his run was very similar to his like frostbite run, where he's just like, 
like Leo's Frostbite run, where Spargo is just beating all these top players and kind of making it look easy. Like some of those sets, I was like, what in the world is happening? Like, okay, Swift 3-0, up, up 3-1, 3-1, like up three stock. Like it just over and over and over. And I'm like, yeah, this kid is, is phenomenal. Like what's, what's happening? His, his closest set after he lost was Ken, right? Which I think it was yes. game five, wasn't it? Yeah, yep. yeah. Which, I mean, Ken, so Ken should have got second place. <laughs> true, true. No, Yara should have gotten take... second. Oh, yeah, true, 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 true. But yeah, I, it, it, I was getting a little worried because, okay, that, there is some justification to other people's opinions, but I, I just thought it was weird that I felt like I had the hot take for thinking, and this is before the tournament even started, thinking that Spargo yeah. was going to win, but, like, Spargo did have the 13th at Summit, right? Like, there, there are dips, and but I, I do think it's just more even more impressive that Spargo bounced back from that. I think the mental is obviously, like, super in check because it's like, okay, we got 13th at Summit, getting 3-0'd by Samus, Right. And th- these are kind of happening somewhat in a row and stuff like that. And then, you know, traveling just in general, maybe dealing with uh, jet lag or I mean, just general confusion. Obviously, you're in an area where the your primary language, English, isn't like the primary language around here. Right. So I was like, oh, man, like maybe may- I- I- I'm going to say I doubt started sinking in for me when uh, lost, uh, he lost to Samus 3-0. One of the things I notice about like a lot of the younger players, uh, like the new generation of talent, is they make some pretty long losers runs very consistently. It's almost like they need to like warm up. Like I've watched a ton of Mia, and them Mia losers runs are incredible. He'll win like fifteen, like fifteen sets straight, and I'm like, what in the world? Like he'll just like lose mad early, and he's just gearing up. Like the more he plays, the more you can see how comfortable he gets happens with Akola. we've seen it happen like when Akola won summit he was just beating all the top players like all the best players in the world like hey i'm here it's time to win you know and spargo's same thing like he was like all right i mean i lost this but i'm still in the tournament and i'm gonna show it bro like and he he just i don't know like just watching it just felt unreal sometimes i was like is there anyone here that could beat him obviously the answer was no but that four well, was I nasty. guess I guess the answer yeah. was yes and no because he did lose, but I don't know. It just felt it just felt like he was like Omega locked in every single set. Just and you can tell he really wanted it, especially in his player camp, bro. Was every single yeah. input. I was like, oh snap. I I was also a little skeptical in terms of like uh, the first match in top eight was Mia. And in my opinion, of everyone in top eight, I was like, if anyone can beat Spargo, it, it would I would have bet Mia yeah. to have of having the best chance in terms of like character matchup wise and stuff like that. So the that right after Spargo beat Mia, I was like, okay, he's like for sure winning the yeah. tournament. That to me, that's when my doubt completely disappeared because there was the game five versus Ken and stuff like that. So but yeah, after Spargo beat Mia and Spargo didn't mess around. Spargo knew exactly what the plan was, like straight to Aegis. And I, it, it's crazy too because Spargo went Aegis against the Cloud player as well. Didn't didn't even want to do the mirror. Yep. So yeah, made a lot of sense. 
at that point the Aegis was warmed up too for uh after playing against Ken, right? Like so it's kinda of, I don't want to call it like bracket luck or anything, but it's nice that his his secondary was really warmed up for that, right? Like it was he needed it and, and it was ready to go, which is really, really nice to see. And Mia too, shout outs for a great losers run, by the way, upset early by a Meta Knight player, um, which Traditionally, Game & Watch has not had a fun time against Meta Knight. Uh, Brawl, Smash 4, and now Ultimate seems to be kind of a rough territory uh, <laughs> so for funny. Game & Watch. So I know, like, it's not, well, no one had a good matchup against Meta Knight Brawl, but still. It sounds nicer when you say it that way, right? Yeah. But me bouncing back and still getting, like you said, top 8 in this tournament is like legendary status, which, speaking of legends, there's a couple of different things I want to call out. That transition could go so many different areas. Can we talk about DeBuzz already? Can we just do it, please? Can we talk about DeBuzz? NA's getting smoked. USA specifically is getting smoked. DeBuzz said, nah, I'm coming through. DeBuzz? Are you kidding me? I, I think you're muted. The guy, he, he, what's that? Pink, you're muted. Oh, muted. Oh, my bad. DeBuzz was getting smoked. Yeah. He oh, got oh, 33rd yeah. into 33rd. And then this at this I don't know what it was. Like I like looked at his body language. I said, "Bro, I haven't I can't remember the last time I've seen DeBuzz like this invested in playing Smash Brothers. Like he looked like a completely different player and it definitely showed in his gameplay. I was like completely taken aback by how good DeBuzz was playing. It was it was very refreshing to see cuz I feel like I haven't seen it in such a long time, you know. And it's not to say that like Dude. he's like falling off or anything. It's more so, I haven't seen that level of care in such a long time, you know? Dude, and his run, you know how many game fives? So his first, his L that put him into losers, Taike, who's a really good Sonic player Sonic. from Japan. Mm -hmm. Yep. Game five, he lost. Then he had to play against another player. Game five, he lost. Then he had to play against Abadongo, which was game four, but still. Game five against Hikaru next. Game five against Dio, who's the snake that beat Riddles, right? Game five against Hurt. Game five against, uh, I guess it's Passera Man. My translator's not working. Or no. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, Passera Man. Pretty sure he beat him, that's, right? That's the, yeah. That was to get into the top eight. Yeah, yep, top eight, exactly. Yeah. Game five against Riddles takes it down. Game four against Hero. Like, dude, these are not easy wins by any means. But he was, was a long set. He was, he was, especially, yeah, exactly. Especially to Buzz's character lineup and his strengths as a player. Truly a marathon man when it came to this tournament. And as always, so... Always good to see the buzz doing really well, getting upset early, and then losing to Spargo, which like no, literally no one was stopping Spargo's tournament uh, in the venue. Like it just wasn't going to happen. So, yeah, good stuff there to the buzz. I, I love seeing him do well always, and especially again, like the stage was so set for him. It's like the buzz has been doing so poorly. Like he's been underperforming by like four or five rounds, right? Like just not having a great time in Japan. You know, looking a little lost coming into the tournament but performed on the biggest stage when it really really mattered in, in in so many game fives especially against riddles too who i got a shout out who has been the most consistent player yes. from north america coming over to japan uh top eighting just about everything that he went to uh yep amazing yep. which is which is incredible you can't say that about many people so shout outs to my man riddles too the liquid guy is killing it i think the buzz is rosalina gameplay in specific was just such a refreshing Thing to spectate and it always is even when he isn't doing as well as he did at Kagaribi because it's just very masterful it's creative it's actually can be pretty technical sometimes as well and to be brutally honest like there's not a lot of that in top level play of Smash Ultimate a lot of it is like you know just really easy characters are really um, like super broken top tiers but the buzz just 
not a fantastic character, just playing super creative and masterful, and you can see the passion. Um, and what's impressive about it is, I would say Debuzz is a, is not very a very technical player overall, but he puts in so much work and time with Rosalina across multiple Smash games, and I just think it's such a breath of fresh air, um, you know, because. There's a lot of stuff that isn't a breath of fresh air when you're watching <laughs> Smash Ultimate. So it, yeah. it, it, I, I think it's a really nice thing to add to the mix. So congrats to the Buzz for playing so well. I hope he uh, keeps it up. Yeah, and honestly, just the story of the Buzz coming to Japan, feeling frustrated, not getting the results that you know he was expecting i feel like that encapsulated a lot of the players that came out to or from na except with the exception of riddles for the most part right so it just felt like north america and usa specifically was getting like ultra jammed the 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 lead up into this tournament and then after day one i'm not gonna lie it was so like as someone that wanted na to thrive at the event it felt so doomer you know what I mean? It's, it's like, oh, man, after day one, it's just like so many players and losers. And then halfway through day two, it's like, wait, what? Spargo? That's like, that's that's our strongest weapon. Already in losers bracket. And then like people were just dropping like flies. And then it got to a point in the bracket where it's like, wait, Zamba's the only one yep. left? Like, oh, my God, maybe Zamba can do it because he had the, the Mia bracket, right? And that didn't end up working out. And then it just got to a certain point where it's like, wow, it's literally impossible for an NA player to get winner side top eight. And that is when my, my motivation or like for uh, just me as a North America fan, it was just an all time low. I was like, man, how many NA players are even going to make top eight? Like what, maybe like Spargo and one other person, or is it just going to be Spargo? Are, are, is the gap that large? Like, I know this region is the strongest region, but I didn't know if the gap is, like, that large. Yeah, which also, as obviously a big-time NA and, and USA Smash fan, uh, hey, three out, of, three out of eight is not bad at all. Let's be real for a second. Especially yeah, given especially the fact... the ratio. Exactly. It's, what, 98% Japanese players, 96% Japanese players in the bracket, right? And they're all so many. There are so many good players in that pool. So, shoutouts to every everyone from well from anywhere really that made that top eight because that's a godlike feat anyway. But especially the players, especially DeBuzz, who bounced back and did so well at this tournament after having a rough go of things. Especially Riddles, who <clears throat> had to fight all the way through all these brackets and get to the top eight, and then obviously Spargo coming through and taking care of business. Like, I love to see it. I love that. There's international rivalry going on this game. Like, truly, it's it's insane uh, to see it across multiple continents, not just talking about, you know, different states. It's Smash has really, really grown, man. It's been incredible to see, especially with Ultimate over the last, I'd say, like, the last two or three years. And I really, really started to notice it with, like, Smash World Tour EU stuff and Smash World Tour um, Japan and Mexico, like, so many different regions being repped. It's been it's been really incredible to watch and it felt like it all kind of came to a head here at Kagaribi. And the next thing is like, it's battle of BC, which is one of the biggest tournaments of the year. Again, it's going to be held in Canada. You know what I mean? It's not even, it's NA obviously, but it's not USA anymore. Like it's, it's really, really cool to see, man. I love it. Yeah. I think that's probably my favorite thing about this tournament was realizing that people aren't coming here anymore. Like where people, if you really want to prove yourself, it's not just a, Hey, 
come to come to America where we have all the giant tournaments. It's like, no, you you can you have to go other places to really prove yourself. And this it's like we always say like, oh, Smash is an international game. Like they play it everywhere. But now like that tournament, that's what I felt like. I was like, oh, my gosh, like this. This almost feels like like League of Legends worlds, like but in Japan, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel like there's multiple places in the world where you could hold a tournament and be like, this is like our worlds, right? Where it's like, okay, we're going to hold worlds in San Francisco or like whatever, wherever Genesis is, right? And then you're like, oh, maybe our mid-season invitational, I don't know why I'm using League of Legends terms, but our, our mid-season invitationals in Japan at Kagaribi, you know? And then we have uh, our second season worlds at the end of the year, which is like, I don't know, Big House or Let's Make Moves in Miami. I can't think of a giant tournament but you know what smash i mean like con, it feels genesis, like smash yeah. con yeah yeah, yeah. you know genesis, like smash con it it feels <laughs> smash con's lit it's five minutes from your house what the hell? i know <laughs> but um it, it just truly feels like it's not like uh all right everyone come to america this side prove yourself like and one thing i really want to give credit to spargo for is it's not like spargo showed up a week before or two weeks before or a month before like other people Bro showed up a couple of days before, like, hey, I gotta get used to jet lag. Oh well, it's whatever. Like Unreal. Resilience, right? I think that's the word we want to use with him for what? sure. Fargo and- flew in Friday and left Monday. Straight yeah. up. Business. Business. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he had one carry-on. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving. See you guys later. His controller and a couple changes of clothes. He was ready to go. <laughs> Dude, uh, Hey, silver lining to everything, you know, the old ways of everything being in USA. We wouldn't know Charles if it wasn't for that. Charles moved over here, True. you know, to the continental USA from Hawaii. I mean, well, in order to join. USA, what the heck? And, and void. No, yeah, but still, you know, you, oh, yeah, you yeah, said yeah. continental. Yeah, yeah I know continental. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. So shout outs to that, Charles. And you and void, that was a. That was the reason you did it, is why you moved over to, to Cali, right? Yeah, for yeah. the pursuit of Smash, yeah. Also, the reason why I went to Kagaribi 10. Shout out to Void. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have been there. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes full circle, man. I'm telling True. you, it really does. Chuck, it sounded like you were losing your voice on the mic. You were at Omega Hype. Yeah, like, that was sick. I, will, okay. <laughs> I was so jealous. I will say right now, I've been to a lot of Smash tournaments, and I've always thought like Japan is a really strong region. I even even in the beginning of Ultimate, I always believed if you wanted to boot camp, you go to Japan. Yeah, you go to Japan. Yeah, like that's the best. It was like that literally the best 4. place in on planet Earth to just improve, right? Yeah, yeah, been like that since Smash Four. You know all this stuff. This tournament, Kagurumi Ten, was my favorite tournament of all time. My entire life, the t- the complete tournament experience, and like uh, like after the tournament and before the tournament, that was straight up my favorite tournament I've ever been to. Like when I commentate pools at any other major, I'm not gonna say I'm faking my hype, but like. <laughs> It's definitely oh. not. Hey, Tio's not I, me. Not me, Tio's. I'm hyper. I'm still excited. I'm still excited. But I, I'm still excited, but I'm not. It's not the same level of excitement because I get more excited the higher level the gameplay is. And that is just something that happens naturally for me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I still get hyped for pools, but it could be for other reasons. Like, it, it's like there's laughing with someone and there's laughing at someone. When I'm at. <laughs> When I'm at um, NA pools, wait, what? Do you know the meme thing Japan? I just wanna, I just wanna ask. <laughs> you got me with that jab two thing. I gotta get you back. <laughs> thing Japan, you don't know that one? I don't know that one. No. Oh, you're gonna know it after this. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, 
the the pools in car like every time I got on the mic, it was it was so so fun. And you can tell another thing that I loved about Kagurubi and just like the region of Japan is their passion for the game is like twenty out of ten. They all just love the game. True. true. It, it it's it is so incredible to be around, and it's infectious. Like it it, it makes it it snowballs and it becomes you get more passionate everyone else gets more passionate they sold out within seconds not only competitor passes but spectator, spectator. passes it is it is hard to get just a spectator pass for the event just to be there in person and witness like the some of the best match you'll ever see in person it, it's hard to do that so it, it's just crazy to me and you also just see it in the players too you know what was one of the most inspirational things watching uh, that top 8 Zachary, yes, smiling and laughing. Yeah. Dude, this guy is playing a character that is so limited. Like you, you would think most players would be getting pissed at the limitations of his character, or like just what you're having to deal with. Like, look at Pit, and then look at what he's fighting. Like, it is very natural for the buzz too. Yeah, even the buzz, right? It's, yeah. It is very natural for any player to just be like, "Man, this is like, man, this is rough. This is frustrating." You know what I mean? But he was just having a good time, and he you could just tell he just loves Smash Brothers. He just loves the game so much, and he's just happy that he can play the character that he's, for some reason, having an extremely like uh, high amount of fun playing, which is just looks fun. For, it, it does it look fun. fun and, it is fun. And, and it is very fun to watch, too. Like, the drag down recess. Like, he... he he was doing so his much up tilt usage. Yo, his up tilts. Oh, those were clean, dude. Yeah, were... up tilt, up air. So godlike. Well, he has dude, a kill he, confirm. Like... He would have lost to Hero, the Bowser player. Shout out to that player, too, by the way. Hell. How? I know. How? how is always the question, right? Beating Ken? Just ridiculous, dude. I was such a fan uh, of that player for sure. But anyway, yeah. yeah. There's so much masterful um, just presentations of characters. Um, I this tournament was definitely special and for me like my realization for that kind of thing is if I'm watching and I'm like I need to play like I need to be at this tournament right now and I because I usually don't feel that but watching this tournament I was just so uh angry like that's always my reaction to everything but <laughs> I I was just really mad that I wasn't there and I, I wanted to be there so bad like for a couple of reasons. One, because I wanted I want to compete myself, but I know I could have helped out a lot of the a lot of the North American guys um, that <laughs> oh, were at absolutely. the event. Absolutely. I know I would have been able to help them with their matches and everything if, if they wanted that. Um, and I don't know, I just wished I was there. Like I was watching and I'd see all the mistakes and I'm just like, damn it, like I just <laughs> I need to be in this venue playing. But you know what's crazy? Mitch that coach was what I was yes. Like you would have been yeah. able to just walk up oh, to yeah, someone. And you would have had thirty I mean, seconds to tell know, them exactly. I don't know if I would have done that, but I mean, like you know, like not even about like helping them figure out a matchup or something. More so, like getting some of them ready to play because I felt like not all of them were ready to play. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like I could have helped some of my friends with that, but um, yeah, I just really wanted to to be there and compete, and it makes me excited for the tournaments coming up which is cool because i think i needed that i haven't been playing or practicing as much um so yeah that tournament was just special i dude yoshidora's gameplay is fantastic i think that character is pretty lit the Um, double egg the double egg double egg twice twice yeah twice seeing 
seeing him push Yoshi to the limit, but also seeing him get pushed to the limits and losing was also interesting in its own way because some of these players, like especially Spargo going in and playing against them the way he did, made them respond and react and play in ways that I haven't seen them play before, which was interesting. Regardless if it was winning or losing, I just liked seeing them, you know, get scared and like react and play in different ways because they're playing against someone that they usually don't. Yeah, um, I feel like Spargo and Light definitely bring that out. Yes, you'll you'll see you'll see something you haven't seen before, whether it's a good or bad thing. Um, and Hero's Bowser gameplay is always masterful. Every time you watch Hero play, the buzz was incredible. Like um, Spargo's always incredible. Just like I said about Hero, like if you want to see top cloud action, it's gonna happen every game or Aegis or whatever. Uh, but. For me, like Zachary and Yoshidora were just like, and even DeBuzz, honestly, like it's just I love like just seeing the weird little things just because they've put in that much time and effort into a character, like you know, that's the type of thing I try to bring to the table when I play the game. So, like it's inspirational. Like that double jump timing on that limit blade beam was insane. <laughs> like who thinks I was like I was like oh my gosh he's dead. Oh, you're dead. Okay, my bad, my bad. Like, yeah, uh, that's one like super interesting thing about the top eight of this event is it was, and we say this very often, it was all like omega character specialists. Like, yeah, it's so super, cool. super I mean, character. That's just what Smash is about. I feel like like you have so many options, but you choose this, and you're dedicating so much to this, like in a sea of options. You know what I mean? And you just, it's just special. It really is. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, even looking at that top eight bracket, like Yoshidora and Hero both making it to winner's side of top yeah. eight, just solo Bowser, solo Yoshi, both <laughs> losing game five, one to Zachary and one to Akola, and then running into, as Bowser, he ran into DeBuzz, which is off running into Rosalina, but then Yoshidora running into Spargo. It's like, that's how it happens? Just like that? The best cloud, the best. Rosalina are waiting on the other side of top eight, and then they both got 3 1. It's like, as amazing as you can be as a character specialist, you could still run into these matchups and things that you need to work on and, and continue to do well at, right? Like, it, you never stop learning. Like, you never stop growing. And it's interesting because when you apply that to a game like Melee, where there's, you know, a handful of really good characters and, and, and growing now, actually, more characters are becoming viable in that game, where it's like, you need to like learn all these matchups and really master them. And ultimate, that same principle applies, but it's much further spread out, right? Like, not only did Hero have to beat Ken in Sonic versus Bowser, but then he had to go, it's like, all right, well, if you want to keep trying to win this tournament, you need to beat Zachary. And if you don't beat him, you have to beat the Buzz. It's like, when does it, when does it stop? When does it ever yeah. stop? Or if he won that, he would have had to play Akola. You know, like, what happens here? So it's it's insane. And we haven't really talked about Akola at all either. And I think part of that is, I, I think a part of it is, is because that's what we expected first or second basically right like yeah. that that was kind of it it's either he he gets it he gets a tournament w or he runs into spargo in win in grants and he doesn't win right like those were the two outcomes we thought yeah i, I was very confident in him either well i i always said the spark we we asked right then we asked on the last episode beforehand yeah we were talking about kagaribi and said spargo you it, it was wait. really yeah. cool seeing spargo like heat up and get comfortable as especially throughout like the later parts of the, his bracket run like it, it was just 
becoming clearer with like every individual game win that it was going to get harder and harder to finish him off or like stop him from winning the event. Like it just got smoother and faster and he got more comfortable. And it's just like the momentum never really stopped. Like, it's just like, yeah, I know how that feels to play against that. <laughs> um, and Akola too, just like, it's funny. Cause I feel like it's kind of like Steve, like Steve is just like, a silent God of the game that just like wins, like without saying anything, just, just business. Like, I feel like Akola too, like just first second, no matter what, every time business as usual, like it's kind of insane. Like those two Spargo and Akola are just like for the, for the rest of the players trying to keep up or just putting such a, a pedestal, like, or like a standard that you have to reach if you want to win a tournament that they're at especially or if you want to show that you are the best of the best like it's like you have to be as consistent as as these two it's a bar i think there's a little bit more than two i think there's there's four players currently but that's for the bonus content uh <laughs> i akola too bonus content going for trying to find an answer in the last set too steve kazia and then ages as well like full full send on the yeah. uh on the fighter pass too you honestly know? Like, really, <laughs> the ages the ages was not bad bro oh no, I, no. it was actually yeah. looking like solid i was like hold on if we if we dedicate some more time into that matchup I was going to say, I can't really figure out who he would want ages for, but I think the answer is right there. I think it's Cloud. I think that's the answer because it's always been out of Steve's worst matchup. Okay, yeah, maybe that might be true. Who, who knows? Like, slight losing, even matchup, whatever. Um, it's not Kazuya has a rough time against Cloud, so that's definitely not going to help out in the Steve department. You don't think so? I don't yeah. think Cloud bodies Kazuya or anything. I think, it's probably, I think it's probably, like, even. Oh, really? Okay. Fair enough. I thought I thought Cloud beat him a little bit at least. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's, that's just my good. in my brain. That's all. Fair enough. Um, yeah, but Kazuya doesn't beat Cloud either. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not you wouldn't pick Kazuya and be like not. this is gonna be an answer. Yeah, I think, exactly. I think we all can agree that Aegis does better versus Cloud than Kazuya does versus yes. Cloud. And I think yeah. I think I actually talked to Spargo. Spargo thinks that Aegis is Cloud's worst matchup. I agree. Worst. Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. So, yeah. I never really thought about it. Who, who else is even an option? I'm trying to think. For Cloud, I think Diddy character. does well. Like mm-hmm. wins or goes even with Cloud. With uh, Min Min, Sheik. No? Sheik. Oh, Sheik. Sheik is oh, always yeah, Sheik. Been, yeah. Sheik and Diddy are the classics that Cloud yeah. has to deal with. <laughs> the classics. <laughs> so Cloud funny. has to deal with those two in two games. You know, you know what else was really hype, and even uh, it was it was so cool to be on the mic when it happened. But when it was both winter semis were so fun to watch because they're game five. And one thing I noticed Akola is very good at is saving the F smash for when it matters. He he doesn't like he doesn't yeah. whip that move out a lot. It, it, he he saves it for very important moments slash interactions. And even uh yeah, that was how he clutched it up versus Yoshidora. So like knowing when and where to use F smash because it's such a powerful tool, but like not showing your opponent it too much. So they, it kind of gets rotated out of the mental stack kind of deal, you know? So that was really impressive, but both winter semis were so hype and it 
led to the faded matchup and even on the mic me and bam like looked at each other when it was locked in and we're just we just both scream the wheels of fate are turning like that was that shit was yeah. so sick yeah y'all and, were going crazy in the zone yeah for sure <laughs> um wait i know who beats cloud incinerar bro i watch collision come on easy matchup come on yeah yeah, yeah. true <laughs> true incinerar nair is a very good move against cloud off stage i will say that like it's a very good skyj even ledge slip imagine if he started ledge slipping with incinerar i'm just saying slipping jimmy i don't know if he does though i i, I don't think so but i'm not positive um he probably does i don't think so not as many people ledge slip as you'd expect um yeah, true. We did talk about that in our bonus content a few days ago, yeah, or a few weeks ago, yeah. True. Bro, every time Arcola goes game five with someone, Uh-oh. just look at the clock, bro. At the end of the <laughs> game. Yo, okay. The I matches are significantly this. longer. Like, he just decides, no, you have no choice but to lose. <laughs> I'm surprised Yoshidora didn't time him out. It, was, there was... it was looking... Like, Akola did not want any interaction by any means necessary. Yeah. It, it was... Yeah, Yoshidora was kind of just trying to finish it off, though. Right, right. And it was... Because Yoshidora <laughs> had the stock lead, had two stocks, high percent. And Yoshidora was just trying to get some damage in. And literally, for it felt like 45 seconds to a minute. Akola just kept making walls. And the thing about Steve... At the later part of the game like during last talk de- depending on the stage stage of course but usually your materials are not dirt anymore so that means they have more health and it's harder to bring down like the wall like maybe your opponent's moves are getting staled out as well yeah. so it was it, just cat and mouse for a while just constant yeah and yoshidor only got like 20 damage 30 mm-hmm. damage or something like that so that's why i was so surprised that yoshidor just didn't go for a timeout because if, if if you can't if, if that much time goes by and you couldn't hit Steve, that means Steve has every single resource he needs. Half his yeah. inventory is probably iron. He's got like three diamonds in the back, right? Like it, does, it doesn't matter anymore. And at least you can try to abuse Steve's mobility in terms of like, oh, well, I have the lead and your character is not fast. Like you have dash attack and like the empowered minecart and that's it. So I, I would have liked to see Yoshidora try to flip, flip the switch and go more defensive towards the end. Yeah. In the you moment, can just go for the timeout, but it's yeah, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hindsight. Yeah. In the moment, it's easier to hold the gas pedal. Actually, like when you're playing Smash in those tournament matches, like regardless if you're losing or winning, it's usually easier to play at one pacing and just follow your your game plans and like you know probably going for like an optimal combo when you when you have that stock lead, like just trying to look for as much of a lead as you can. Like sometimes I, it's really hard to actively switch up the pacing in Smash, like. It requires a lot of like, you know, high level awareness and like stamina. I think that's why like you know, autopilot is such a vague but like constantly talked about topic in the community. And I think a lot of people have misunderstandings of it. Like they talk about it like it's a bad thing you never want to do, but it's not that simple. You know, I think we talked about this kind of thing on the show. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go on too much of a tangent, <laughs> bro. Honestly. We need to give credit where credit is due. Zomba okay. kind of went foolish, no? And that Zomba Lucina, was really clean, like yeah. I feel like we we put some more time into that Lucina and like feel confident in bringing it out and not as like a desperation thing. Oh yeah, 
is it's lit because that Dude. wasn't that game five mia mia it, it was game five it, it was, was game very five, doable. right very it was doable. Game five, yeah i mean well, we, I, even mentioned, we even mentioned this matchup coming up or something we talked about how or at least i talked about how zomba's beaten meister with lucina like it's very minimal like effort you know what i mean like in terms keep, of like yeah. he just kind of does it sometimes like so imagine if it was more deliberate i guess yeah i, I not think we, it's not like in the back of his head but i think know. we've all been fans of the because i definitely have been since forever since i saw a, a shine few years ago i was like dude this lucina is nice like he should definitely consider keeping this character and i want to see it continue to grow that momentum i feel like every time it comes up we're like hell yeah we knew this like you know it just keeps it keeps getting stronger is how i feel about it so i, I hope he continues to to grow the lucina yeah yeah and it's like he i guess that's something that's been really interesting is there hasn't really been a lot of large na tournaments recently so like a lot of players it, it almost feels like they're being forgotten like i haven't seen a lot of people talking about like how good zombie is like it feels like he was just like oh yeah like because he wasn't at summit or anything and then bro just shows up in japan like Oh, y'all forgot I'm him. Like, Bro, I was like, how is this kid here? Right now. Like And then I mean Lima had a like an insane run, like did very mm-hmm. well the entire time in Japan. I was like, Bro, what's Yeah, I'm I'm starting to mix up his attendance of like which ones were Kagaribi, which ones were other tournaments, but he got a lot of reps in for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just like Honestly, it felt like some of the games that he like, some of the sets he dropped was was all on him. Like he like start making some doable. some tough, yeah, like some tough decisions. Like he got reversed three zero by Riddles, right? It's yes. like and yeah. and, and Kazuya Bale because he went Terry the first two games, and I was just thinking to myself, like you're actually usually really good at this matchup. I know I know it's Riddles and like Riddles is much better, but it felt like he just like kind of like I don't know imploded when he was when he was playing him. It was kind of kind of tough to see. But Lima also had a fantastic. I don't know. It was just like at first it was kind of like that doom and gloom, right? Like yeah, but NA kind of. And they showed up. But NA yeah, and they did show up. Yes, there, there was a. Other out. Yeah, there was a there was a part like there there was a part of the day like midway through day two where it was doom and gloom, and I was like, oh man, I don't know, dude. Like Spargo's and losers, yada yada. I, I talked about it earlier, but yeah, the bounce back was crazy, and the only the only shitty thing was that it's like, dang it. Now NA's turning up, but everyone's a fucking loser. So we like, you know what yeah. I mean? We're only gonna get like three reps in top eight or something. They like play that, each but... other and stuff too. Right, right. And even um Lima's set against uh Riddles, I remember watching that, and that, that was a fun set. It, it just felt like Lima dropped like yeah. one or two. Like if, if Lima nailed like one or two more edge guards towards the later part of the set, w- within any games three, four, or five, it would have been a wrap. But Riddles just right. had some good mix and Riddles has a lot of resilience. Yeah, it show, yep. like in Japan specifically too. There's yeah. a lot of moments where there was a set in a previous tournament versus Ken where he probably should have got three one, made a crazy last stock situation, like ended up winning that set. Like I feel like he always made it a few rounds farther than I expected, at least a couple times, just through pure resilience. <laughs> I mean, think about his set against Sonics at Collision. Like I don't yeah. think this is the first time I, you bringing up. Riddle's resilience, and I'm I'm just kind of thinking back on Riddle's track record of, like, and it's crazy too because it's off of a switch. Whether it is from Kazuya to Terry or against Lima, it was the reverse. It was Terry in the Kazuya, and man, something about Riddle's switching 
one of his fighting game characters and then reverse 3 on you. Okay, that's like a common trend. And yeah, right? I think it has to do with the resilience and the mindset. I think for better or worse, like he holds forward and he just fights till he till the set is over. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think versus Dude. I think versus the buzz, it yeah. was like the, the, the bad outcome for riddles. Like um like riddles will be up a full stock and the buzz is just blatantly running away. And riddles oh, is yeah. just getting chipped away chipped away chipped away yeah. all of a sudden ggs it's over so i think riddles is just for better or worse he's running at you and you better be prepared to die and <laughs> someone is dying bringing um, it bring it back to lima too because it's, it's like and some people might be looking like oh you know lima brought it back and had a good tournament lima only got 17th it's like lima lost to riddles yeah. or lost the riddles into or akola into riddles you know for 17th wow. you know it's, it's always contextual right like those yep. are two top yep. eight finishers or top two top seven you know so it's that is a good tournament you know all things considered uh obviously better if you close up that set against riddles or if you can take another game off Alcola or obviously even a setup Alcola would be incredible, but still it's all contextual, right? You could get 49th. They'll have a pretty good tournament if you get a good win, but then you get upset by the one or two seed who are also down the losers for some reason. Sometimes people just have bad tournaments, you know, sometimes it's all, well, everyone did bad. So it's like, you want to do the least bad of everyone, but <laughs> not this case, you know what I mean? Everyone showed up and did, did well for sure. And the bracket was all over the place because of the upsets. And one thing I'm very proud about Lima's performance is Lima outplaced uh, all the Japanese bales to my understanding. So yeah, that, w. that, that is, that is a big W, right? And I, and I know Lima definitely could have got way farther in the tournament for sure. Could have got top eight, top four, possibly, right? Lima has been doing so well, uh, did run into, uh, riddles and, uh, what was it? in Akola. Uh, so that, that, winners, that, yeah. that definitely sucks, but that it's cool. Cause I, I feel like, especially when the NA players come down to this tournament, if you outplace the Japanese players that play that character, I think that's also a pretty big statement. Right. So, and obviously yeah. it's all bracket and matchups and stuff like that, right. but that like, whenever I see Gact and Sen enter a bracket, I always think it's interesting. I don't think it necessarily means like, Oh, this Ness, this player is better than this player. Cause they place higher, but it's always interesting to see, especially like multiple in a row where it's like, oh, okay, like let's look at these placements. Let's look at the bracket ones, what matchups they have to go. It makes a bunch of interesting talking points, you know? Bro. Yeah. I saw that Sin had to play uh, Mia. Oh. I just, I just turned their set off, bro. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was like, that matchup is awful. And Mia is very good at it. And they had already played. I'm pretty sure. Um, was it in the crew battle? Maybe they sent in Mia against, though he yeah. did do pretty well in the crew battle, but um I yeah, think Sam was, was looking very comfortable versus very Zachary. Good. Zachary, like yeah. One of, those, yeah. one of those, another one of those sets where just like a couple things and it could have went a different, mm -hmm. uh, a different outcome. He was, I was really just close. kind of thinking like, you know, there's a couple other people I would have loved to see at this event just because the event was so fantastic. Like it just makes me want to add a couple of variables to Same. it. Throw see, light in that bracket. Oh my! Yeah, just God. see what, what what would happen if I throw this player, this player, or this player. Um, oh, it would have been crazy. Like. Just so I mean, even think about it, like, just in terms of that, think of how different the tournament was because, you know, Zachary was there, you know, just yes. one one player or, you know, an early loss. Mia getting upset so early changed the entire tournament. You know what yeah. I mean? That Yumeki Ken set, it could have gone either way. It could have changed everything. Like, it's... I. Like rewinding the bracket and thinking of those situations, like even when you brought up the Sen Zachary set, it was like Sen was so close to taking game one. And if Sen takes game one, that whole set could change. And then all of a sudden yeah. you got Sen, like who knows what could happen? It's, <laughs> I don't know. It's like what a, it's, it's like, a, it's like the Doctor Strange thing, right? Like there's so many different possibilities and outcomes that could possibly happen. 
it's he yeah. getting sent to loser so early like there's so much shit we haven't even talked about that's like this tournament was just so ridiculous from top to bottom yeah there's a lot of players that aren't getting talked about that we probably could have um yeah i'm just excited for more smash there's gonna be some cool tournaments in may um but i guess that about wraps up the recap of kagaribi do y'all want to get into the other segment or yeah yeah sounds absolutely great i wish we could have covered everything but that's literally impossible because we would have been here for four hours because there's like just so much upsets and so much uh things to talk about for the tournament but i think we covered all the main points right yeah yeah for sure for sure one more thing gavin you are almost right because i'm pretty sure last week we were talking about like who could make like a crazy run and you were like, yeah, man, I mean, even Zachary could just, like, show up and win. And bro almost showed <laughs> up and won. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we were like, with Pitt? The- and you're like, yeah, he could do it with, like, anybody. Yeah. He can. That, he finally got to play against the Cola. That was so sick. That, that is the CEO of Harper Studio Garden. That was so cool. <laughs> CEO of Fundies. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. The CEO of Fundies, Inc. <laughs> Wait. Early. Did y'all say that on the mic? Yes. I said that multiple times. Yes. Right, where's my credit? Royal, royalty checks in the mail. Oh, yeah, what the man. fuck? All right, we're getting a bonus content here. Oh, wait, 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 wait. One more thing. One more thing. Um, do you guys want to hear the Wingman Cosmos story? Bonus content, or is this regular content? I, I think we can do it regular. Throw it in. Go, Chuck. Go. Okay, so um, I go to a club with Cosmos, Ramen, and Bam, and some other people. Right, so. Uh, there's there's this girl I want to talk to, and she's smoking a cigarette, okay? And I'm like, okay, well, I don't really smoke anymore. I'm going to use it as an icebreaker, and I'm just going to ask her for a cigarette, right? And I'm with Cosmos, right? He's I'm gonna I'm painting this picture for you guys. So I get, a, I get the cigarette, and I light it, and Cosmos is to the left of me, right? And he knows I'm, he knows what I'm trying to do. So he starts, but then he starts dancing. Now, Cosmos is to my left, okay? I have the cigarette in my right hand. This... This guy flails his arms so far that it hits my right hand. No. It hits my right hand and the cigarette... Club's still standing, Chuck? We're all worried. <laughs> it hits the cigarette out of my hand and it flies into... No. So the girl I'm talking to, it goes into her friend. It hits her friend. It hits her friend. And I just couldn't believe what happened to me. The only thing that went through I, my mind was I feel so bad because, like... Is he just an NPC or something? Why did he start dancing? <laughs> yeah, Why right? Idle dance? Cos- Cosmos said slash dance. You dance, you dance yeah, wait, close, but... He, like, looked around. He's like, fuck. Like, I gotta go to my idol. Wait, they were smoking indoors? Yeah, you can do that. Wow. Wow. So... Go back. So, the, I tried to apologize to the friend. She made no eye contact with me. And they just walked to the other side of the club. Yeah, you're a fire hazard, Chuck. They did the right thing. There's probably a fire extinguisher over there. I've never been so embarrassed in my life. I well, one, I felt bad because I'm like, I don't know if I like if she got burnt or something or whatever, <laughs> right? And then two, I just felt like so embarrassed. And then I was like the whole rest of the night, like you guys know how salty I get. I oh. was oh, I was salty about it. Oh, not I was this. salty truck, and I I was just death staring Cosmos the whole night. <laughs> he and didn't care. Like... He was dancing, bro. He didn't care. <laughs> so He's yeah, that... the time of his life. He doesn't even know what happened. We need to do this bonus content. I'm gonna dive crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right. Well, if you guys enjoyed the episode, we're going to pivot over to the bonus content for Patreon. So if you guys are interested in watching that, we're going to be talking about the best player in the world right now because I think it's a pretty hot topic. So we'll be seeing you guys next time. See ya. See you.